Taylor Heineke confirmed it today. Desmond Ritter is the Falcons starter. And we'll talk about why the lack of a quarterback competition is actually a good thing for Ritter and the Falcons. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me as Aaron Freeman, <laughs> a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and, of course, your very humble host here of this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Nissan, uh, where the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. And thank you guys for making Locked On Falcons your first listen, of course, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And check us out on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV by downloading the Locked On Sports Atlanta app on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV. So later in today's episode, we'll talk about the departure of cornerback Isaiah Oliver and why that makes me believe the Falcons will draft a pass rusher in round one as opposed to a cornerback but we'll start off today addressing all you nervous nancies you may know me as a negative nancy aka mr drew right my friends call me nancy you can call me mr drew um but you nervous nancies that were worried why haven't the falcons announced the official signings of, of certain players well they did that today on thursday jesse bates caden ellis david anyamata taylor heineke all were officially announced. It clearly was basically a PR thing so that they could trot these guys out in front of the media with press conferences and all that stuff. So, right, no worries there. Uh, but the one thing that was notable in all the media conversations, and there were several notable things, but probably the one thing that is most topical was the confirmation from Taylor Heineke saying that the Falcons were very clear when they signed him that he was being brought in to be Desmond Ritter's backup, but that they he initially wanted to return to Washington, and then the Falcons came in and basically were like, here's a whole bunch of money, Taylor, <laughs> to come in and be Desmond Ritter's backup. And we talked about on Wednesday's episode, I believe, uh, with David Harrison of Locked On Commanders, why all the reasons why Taylor Heineke will make a great backup for Desmond Ritter. So make sure you go check out that episode. But I know some of you guys were living in denial uh, for the last couple of days, weeks, and months. Um, and it's probably, you know, you know, reality's hitting you pretty hard right now. And of course, this is going to prompt an outcry about the notion. And, you know, that denial is Desmond Ritter being the starter, right? Um, and, you know, now we, we have heard it from multiple indications, but, um, you know, I, I think, this is going to prompt an outcry from some of you. And I, I saw some of it on Thursday and responded to some of it on Thursday on Twitter uh, that, you know, there needs to be a quarterback competition. And that's that's the wrong opinion. That's just basically that's a wrong opinion. Quarterback competitions are overrated. Right. You look at the one team in the NFL last year that had a true blue quarterback competition last summer. That was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it didn't really benefit any of their quarterbacks in a major way. Mitch Trubisky won that competition. Right. But did splitting those starting reps throughout the summer make him allow him to play his best football in September? No. Right. That's a record rhetorical answer. But question, by the way, the answer is no. 
right? And did not getting any of those starting reps in the summer help Kenny Pickett, you know, start his season strong uh, when once he got the job in October? Again, rhetorical question. The answer is no, right? It took a month of Kenny Pickett getting starters reps in the month of October before we started to actually see him playing well in the month of November and then in December. And that's the key. It's all about reps, guys. And a competition is taking away reps from one of the quarterbacks to give it to another guy. And, you know, basically it's the old adage that you, I'm sure you've heard many times before. If you have two quarterbacks, that means you have none, right? You need to have those reps going to one guy. You look at another team that had a so-called competition last summer, and that was Seattle with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Now, Geno Smith wound up receiving the vast majority of those reps, in part due to Drew Locke getting COVID during the preseason that led to him being out of practice when he was supposed to basically make his bid to make his case for being the Seahawks starter. But Geno Smith wound up getting all of those reps during that week or so. And what did Geno Smith do this past? Oh, he, you know, he won comeback player of the year and led the Seahawks to the playoffs. Um, so I, I, again, I think that's not a coincidence that the fake competition between Seattle where Geno got the vast majority of the reps. Uh, and even if he wasn't necessarily wowing people with those reps, you know, did outperform uh, Drew Locke led to success. Right. And so I think if you're worried about Desmond Ritter being complacent because he's not having Taylor Heineke breathe down his neck, right? I, I do appreciate you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen, especially since this is the first listen of a podcast uh, that you've probably had because you just came out of a coma for the last five years, right? Because basically you clearly have not learned anything about Desmond Ritter for the last five years. You're just hearing of Desmond Ritter for the very first time. So I appreciate you making Lockdown Falcons your first listen, right? Um, and you probably don't know anything about the current incarnation of the Falcons, right? We hired these coaches, uh, you know, coach named Arthur Smith and a GM named Terry Fontenot, uh, right? Two years ago that they all preach about makeup. Right. And we all kind of roll our eyes when it's like, OK, yeah, sure, Terry, whatever. You love the makeup of the players. But that's what we're referring to. Players that understand that football is a performance based business, that he doesn't need someone breathing down his neck like Taylor Heineke or whoever to reinforce that notion. Right. Desmond Ritter knows that if he messes up, guess what happens? It's not about, oh, I might lose my starting job. It's the team loses football games. That's what it's about. That's what they're here for, guys. That's what the right makeup is having. It's the people that care about winning football games and are going to put in the time, the energy, the effort, all that sort of thing to make themselves better and thus make the team better so that they can go and win football games. So you don't need to have a quarterback competition in order to reinforce that thing because that's already been established once they walk into the building, once they walk into the door. And if you're not the type of player that thinks that way, you're not going to last very long in Atlanta. They will run you out of town. They will run you out of, you will lose your key, your key fob or whatever it is that opens the door in Flowery Branch. You will lose that one night. And you'll be like, I can't get in the building. It's like, lose my number, right? As Aaron Rodgers said to Adam Schefter. But those reps are really important, guys, right? You need those reps in practice, in 
OTAs in the spring, in the summer, and of course, obviously during the season, where you need those reps, where Desmond Ritter's throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts, to use one example, where it's about getting the rhythm, the timing, right? If if Kyle Pitts runs this specific route, the ball should be here, right? You need those reps. He's not getting those reps if you're taking him off the practice field and putting in Taylor Heineke or putting in Logan Woodside or whatever the case may be, and you're making him into a worse player by not giving him those reps so i want to stress that that not having a quarterback competition should be a non-issue the lack of competition should be great news you should be standing up and applauding hercules hercules right this is great news if you want to see the best version of desmond ritter in 2023 that he's going to get all the reps that he needs to in order to put his best foot forward now what that looks like on the field time will tell if you're not applauding this, you know, maybe maybe that tells you something about where your mind is at when it comes to wanting to see this team and this quarterback succeed. But that will be a conversation for another day. We're definitely not going to be done talking about the quarterback position on this podcast over the next, what, year or five <laughs> here on Lockdown Falcons, your first listen, uh, right? You know, you'll, you'll, you'll catch up. If you're coming out of the coma here on Lockdown Falcons, but we are going to be done talking about the quarterback position on today's episode, and we will switch to the cornerback position and talk about how the departure of Isaiah Oliver makes me believe that the Falcons are more likely to take a pass rusher at eight. And it's not just Oliver's departure. It's other factors. We'll get into that as we continue today's episode. But guys, I love this time of year because it's March Madness and especially it's Built Bar March Madness where you can go vote for your favorite flavor of bar or puff by going to BuiltMarchMadness.com. I'm voting for the Coconut Brownie Chunk, uh, just like I'm rooting for Pitt to beat Iowa State in the NCAA tournament. I'm looking for Coconut Brownie Chunk to win it all in the Built Bar match Mar March Madness uh, tournament. And when you vote, guys, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built not only that one locked on listener will get a 12 month subscription to built and have the best bars and puffs delivered monthly straight to your door you got to try built the best protein bar ever it's so good you won't think it's good for you but it is good because it's covered in 100 real chocolate it's low in sugar calories and has a whopping 17 grams of protein so run to built marchmadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there you can vote every day in month in march so hop on and support your pick so let's talk about isaiah oliver leaving which you know is a devastating blow uh to me personally but i don't know if necessarily know if it's a devastating blow to the team right isaiah oliver signed on wednesday night to a two-year deal with the 49ers i think he'll be a great fit in the steve wilk scheme that they're designing over there um, and you know, I think the Falcons are going to be fine because they already have a ready-made replacement in D Alford, a player that we saw plenty of, you know, early in the season when Alford was out of, you know, recovering from his injury and throughout the sprinkle throughout the season. And we saw enough from D Alford to feel reasonably comfortable with him, you know, potentially being a starter, uh, you know, this, this season. Um, and I, I've seen some people speculate that, you know, the fact that they're losing Oliver increases the odds that the Falcons may go cornerback at eight. And I disagree with this. Right. You're not going to be drafting a nickel cornerback at eight, because if you look over the last five years in the NFL, 
uh, in the draft. There's only been one cornerback taken in round one period that spent the majority of his rookie season uh, playing in the nickel. And that was Jeff Gladney, who was the 31st overall pick for the Minnesota Vikings back in 2020. You could throw Minka Fitzpatrick in that because he was a safety that was taken much higher in the 2018 draft. But, um, you know, and you could say, well, you know, the player that people compare Minka to is Brian Branch out of Alabama in this year's draft. But Brian Branch, if you're going to take Brian Branch at eight, you're not draft, you're drafting him solely to be a nickel cornerback. You're drafting because you think he can be like Mika Fitzpatrick and be this hybrid nickel corner, safety, all that sort of thing. And that's not something the Falcons are probably going to be particularly interested in with the presence of Jesse Bates and Richie Grant already on the team. And Richie Grant also basically provides probably not to, to the same degree that Brian Branch does, but a very similar skill set in terms of what you're looking for at that position. So it would be kind of overkill at that point in time. But really, it's not about Isaiah Oliver's departure, but it does sort of reset our look, how we look at the cornerback position, mainly because it's the fact that Casey Hayward has not departed, right? That basically for the last you know six or so weeks when I've been thinking that the Falcons were likely to go corner at eight in this upcoming draft, I've been assuming for that period of time that the Falcons would wind up making Casey Hayward a, a salary cap cut earlier this week when the league year started. That was not the case. Maybe they still move on from Casey Hayward at some point, but with every passing game where they don't do that, chances are that they do make that cut go down. Um, and so we'll just sort of have to see on that front. And so I think it's less likely that the Falcons go corner in round one. Maybe they still go corner looking for that heir apparent to Casey Hayward that they can plug in to replace Casey Hayward in 2024, uh, you know, later in the draft on day two or whenever. Also drafting a potentially a nickel corner that can come in and push D Alford. I know our, our good buddy Daniel Flick uh, came on the podcast several weeks ago and talked about Keetrell Clark, a player that shined at the Shrine Bowl ahead of the, the combine. And I haven't watched Keetrell Clark, but you know, there's a chance that a month from now I'll be like, you know what? This Keetrell Clark out of Louisville is somebody that we need to pay attention to and pretend like it was my idea, even though Daniel said it originally. But uh, we'll see how that goes, guys. But I do look at the situation at corner versus, say, pass rusher, and I see leaning more towards the pass rusher, right? And part of that is owed to the fact that the Falcons did pay uh, Lorenzo Carter. They did retain him, but they are paying him low-end starter money. And, you know, while we have heard that the Falcons have been in on other pass rushers, Marcus Davenport was a player that the Falcons were reported to be pursuing before he wound up signing with the Minnesota Vikings. And I think that's prompted a lot of people to assume that the Falcons will find somebody else, you know, whoever was, you know, next on their list. I don't know if that's a safe assumption, but certainly some names out there that, you know, I've seen other people throw around Frank Clark, Leonard Floyd, Bud Dupree, Yannick Ngakwe, Jadavion Clowney, or potential options that the Falcons could sign. And if they do wind up signing that, we'll have to revise this opinion again. Uh, and, and all of a sudden you do have your other starter across from Arnold Ebiketti, but without that other starter, right? I mean, if they don't find that in free agency, it feels like they're going to take that player in the draft. We talked earlier this week on Mock Draft Monday about Tyree Wilson and how his fit. I'm sure there are plenty of other options. You know, who that pass rusher they're going to take at eight, I have no idea at this point, guys. And I'm sure over the next six weeks, we'll talk about many of the other alternative candidates in addition to Tyree Wilson. Miles Murphy out of Clemson, Tyree Wilson of Texas Tech that we've already talked about on Mock Draft Mondays. There's Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa, Nolan Smith out of Georgia. Um, and I'm sure, you know, Jalen Carter, we've talked about as well out of Georgia. Uh, I guess maybe we'll do a Will Anderson out of Alabama episode or something along those lines. But the other thing that prompted me, and I don't remember exactly what prompted me to go look up this stat, but, you know, going back and looking at 
the last time the Falcons had a double-digit sack guy. And obviously, you guys know that it was Vic Beasley back in 2016 when he led the NFL in sacks. But prior to that, it was John Abraham in his final year in Atlanta back in 2012. And so that basically tells you that the Falcons have had one double-digit sack guy in the last 10 years, right? And if you look at the previous decade or the previous two decades, they had 14 double-digit sack guys, primarily John Abraham, Patrick Kearney, Rod Coleman had a couple of those years, Chuck Smith. Even if you lower the threshold to eight sacks, right, you have three in the past decade. Beasley did it twice. Claiborne did it once. And in the previous two decades, 22 times did a Falcons pass rusher have eight or more sacks. And it was done by 11 different players. And so, like, you know, we all know that obnoxious person that for the last three months that anytime we talk about the Falcons going out there and paying a player like Jesse Bates, they're like, we should pay for a pass rusher. Or anytime we talk about the Falcons taking a corner in the draft or some other position, we should take a pass rusher, right? That super obnoxious person. And, you know, Jarvis Davis is the champion of these people, not because Jarvis is obnoxious. Of course, you guys know Jarvis, co-host of ATL Day Ones on the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast, uh, your team every day. But Jarvis is not obnoxious, but Jarvis has been championing this. Me and Jarvis were, you know, crying on each other's shoulders last year when they took Drake London because we're like, we need to see this team invest in pass rushers. And I think Jarvis is going to get his wish this year. That's what I'm sitting here believing on, you know, March 16th, that the Falcons are going to give Jarvis a thing that he wants and he's been pining for, that I was certainly pining for a year ago, that they're going to invest in a pass rusher. Which one that is, I have no idea. We'll figure it out. And obviously we'll adjust, you know, on accordingly as moves unfold this is still a developing process guys so basically in summary in on on february 16th i would have said hey if i'm shooting my shot and who the falcons are gonna take at eight i think they're gonna take a corner right now on march 16th i sit here and i go it's a pass rusher and again on february 16th i was assuming then that they were gonna cut uh casey hayward and probably retain isaiah oliver unfortunately that was not the case uh, but now i'm sitting here on march 16th and they're probably gonna take a pass rusher and we'll see what i say on on april 16th right and and that's the beauty of this process. I don't necessarily need to have the answers on who they're going to take in the draft today. And we'll figure all that out and we'll break all that stuff down. But I certainly think sitting here today, you know, the next time I talk to Jarvis on this podcast, we'll, we'll probably be at some point next week. We'll probably talk about them taking a pass rusher. So we'll we'll see if that brings a smile to Jarvis's face. But what will bring a smile to uh, my face is talking more about Janu Smith, the newest Falcons tight end, and we'll be joined by Locked On Titans host Tyler Rowland to talk about that as we continue today's Locked On Falcons. But I want to remind you guys that not only is the NBA season going on, we got March Madness going on, right? You got the XFL season going on. It's all the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Take, check out the FanDuel app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. And if you're new to FanDuel, you can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means if your first bet doesn't win, you will get bonus bets back. So make sure you use it to bet money line and point spreads, right? Uh, parlays or whatever. You can use draft props. You can go to FanDuel Sportsbook and, you know, bet who's going to be the first player at each position uh, taken. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Will Anderson, you know, Will Levis, whoever you want at the various positions. All you got to do is head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make sure you don't miss out on your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 and bonus bets back. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the M. B A. 
All right, everyone. We are back with another illustrious guest, none other than Tyler Rowland. You may remember him as the co-host of the Locked On Falcons podcast last March due to all of the former Tennessee Titans that the Atlanta Falcons brought in last offseason. And we frequently had Tyler coming on and breaking down Rashawn Evans and so many more players. And today we have Tyler breaking down uh, Janu Smith, the, the newest addition to the Falcons tight in room. And he will be discussing with us sort of how Janu Smith was utilized in Tennessee, uh, where he was last utilized at a high level because the last couple of years in New England weren't that great for Janu Smith. But Tyler, my friend, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, John is a, a solid player, got overpaid in New England for sure. But, um, you know, as a role player, I think he'd be fantastic for you guys. And getting back with Arthur Smith, who got the best out of Jonu, I think that makes a ton of sense. So it should be exciting for Falcons fans to have Jonu on the team, especially what what was the payment, a seventh-round pick or something like I mean, a, a really good move by the Falcons to get Jonu Smith in. Absolutely. And, you know, you you watched Jonu play for several years, kind of stuck behind mm-hmm. Delaney Walker as that sort of up-and-coming player. Obviously, with the presence of someone like Kyle Pitts, we're probably not going to expect John to be, to be sort of the featured weapon in uh, Atlanta like he was towards the end of his stint in Tennessee. But I'm just curious, um, what were some of the things that you saw in Janu, especially with Arthur Smith as his play caller and sort of how were some of the ways that Arthur Smith was able to maximize him? It is all about getting Janu Smith on the move. Okay, that is the key to whether you're blocking whether it's in the passing game. Jonu is is not a large tight end by NFL standards. He's about 6'2", 6'3", 240, 250 pounds. He's not these huge guys who play tight end at 6'5", 260, 270, things like that. You know, like a Gronkowski-sized guy. That's just not... It's just not who Jonu is. It's just not how he's going to play. So uh, the best part about Jonu's game is his speed, his athleticism as a tight end at, you know, a decent size. So if you can get Jonu on the move, Jonu Smith did his absolute best work when the Titans were able to get him the ball in space and let him be a yards after the catch weapon. Because in the passing game, he's not a guy with crisp routes who's going to create separation just in a standard route. You kind of got to create that separation and create that space for him. Um, so he's not like your route running type tight end, like you would see Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or you know Mike Gesicki or something like that. He's not that kind of pure receiving tight end either. He is a guy who does need to be put in situations where he has space, where he can easily catch the ball and, and then get up the field. I, I think if you do that with him, which Arthur Smith has shown that he can do with John U. Smith, then you're going to get a lot of production out of him. Uh, I think his best years in Tennessee, he was about, you know, 35 to 40 catches, 400 yards, a, a couple of touchdowns. I think that's the type of production that you would expect out of John U. Smith. Uh, he can be a, a, a an option within your passing game, but he's obviously not like a pure starting tight end, every down, hand in the dirt, stuff like that. Now, he can put his hand in the dirt, and he's going to give effort with blocking. But again, at that size, I think New England tried to put John U. Smith in a blocking uh, situations are far too often where he's just hand in the dirt, tight end, block the guy in front of you, one-on-one, drive your man off the ball, all that. It's just not where John U. Smith is going to be successful. Where he did his best blocking with the Titans was on play-action passes where he could catch an edge rusher or catch a blitzer off the end 
and he kind of already had some time built in because of the play action element. So I, I think if John o. Smith is used properly, which those sorts of ways getting him space, think about this is something that Falcons fans probably have seen. Play action bootleg, backside, receiving option, tight end, comes across the formation, comes into the flat on the other side, simple throw for the quarterback to dump it off. You get John U. Smith, those opportunities, you use John U. Smith on a, a tight end screen, for example. You're going to get him some great opportunities to use his best ability, that yards after catch, uh, you know, dynamic ability that he has. He also, in his best year in Tennessee, he had eight touchdowns because he was a threat, a major threat in the red zone. Uh, I think getting him matched up on linebackers who he's faster than or getting him matched up on safeties who he's stronger and more physical than could, could be a big asset for the Falcons in the red zone as well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I noticed a lot of those things, you know, a couple of years ago when I went back and studied Arthur Smith's offense when he first got hired and a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of jokingly referring to Janu as the yak King uh, in terms of that right. yards after catch. And some of the things you're saying, Tyler, I think in isolation sound great in terms of getting Janu involved in the offense. But I think mm -hmm. probably some Falcon fans and I'm sure some people that are fantasy football owners don't like to hear those things because the ways that uh, Arthur Smith was able to utilize Janu Smith were all the ways that people want to see him do a better job of utilizing Kyle Pitts this mm -hmm. year. And if he has a, a, a new toy that he's very comfortable with, uh, so doing all, designing all those things for uh, Jonathan Smith, maybe those are plays that he's not going to necessarily design for right. Kyle Pitts, but uh, we'll just sort of see how it all bears out. I do think Jonu, uh will sort of have a bounce back year from a couple of down seasons in new England. And yeah. we'll just sort of have to see how that goes. Yeah, I think New England, they brought in Hunter Henry, uh, but I think they just tried to use Jonu in, in, in too much of a traditional role. Jonu Smith is not a traditional tight end like people think of. He's a move tight end who needs to be off the line of scrimmage and be able to flow around in the backfield. And uh, Again, one of the big things, I don't want to be too negative, but he is just not a very good route runner. So Jonu Smith's not going to go out there and run an out route or a whip route on a linebacker and get open. He's a little stiff. Uh, he's fast in a straight line, but he's not the most change of direction type guy, I guess. And I know that seems strange with the, the type of player that most people think he is, but that's just the reality. And he, you can't put Jonu Smith in a typical tight end role. And when you talk about fantasy, a lot of people got frustrated with Jonu Smith and fantasy football because you see the plays that he makes when he has the ball in his hand. And you're like, oh, this guy's a beast. But you just look a little bit deeper, and it's obvious John, who is a role player, he's never going to be a number one starter. New England paid him like that, and they made a massive mistake. So Arthur Smith, people in Tennessee used to be like, oh, John, who Smith can do so much more. Well, Arthur Smith's been his position coach for most of the time, then was his offensive coordinator during his best years. I think Arthur Smith knows John U. Smith better than anybody else in the NFL, and he's not going to put him in situations where he can't succeed, and he's going to do a great job of putting him in situations where he can use his best abilities. So I think that although it may not be exactly what Falcons fans want to hear, at the end of the day, I, I still do think it's a, it's a really solid addition for the Falcons. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what John U. can do here in Atlanta. Tyler, let the people know what you got going on over at Locked on Titans. Well, locked on Titans. The Titans were making signings. They're in a transition period as a team. They're kind of trying to clear out the roster of some of the some of the money that didn't make a lot of sense and add some cheap uh, value options to the roster uh, in a transition period. I guess I would call it for the Titans, kind of moving from the Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill years 
to what it's going to be next. I think 2023 may be that final transitional year. And then 2024, the Titans are kind of starting fresh. But it's a, it's a weird time in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. We we've, we talked a little bit about what's going on in Tennessee the last couple of months uh, here on Lockdown Falcons. Like, is Brian Tannehill going to be gone? Are they going to be getting rid of all these guys? Who, who knows right. at this point in time? So yeah. I'm sure you've been busy over there. But uh, really appreciate you joining me here on Lockdown Falcons. And I have a sneaking suspicion that there probably will be at least probably one more ex-Titan that shows up here in Atlanta. So I look forward to our future conversations about that player. Yeah, absolutely. Can't rule that out. And I'll uh, I'll head out on this on the Falcons podcast, Locked on Falcons. Got to hit the dirty bird. <laughs> there you go. Take care. So, guys, that's going to do it for us here on today's episode. Appreciate Tyler Rowland for joining me to talk John o. Smith and tight ends. Uh, we will be back potentially on Monday. Well, we will be back on Monday or Sunday evening if you're checking us out on YouTube. Um, and we will be back on Monday to do a mock draft Monday. And maybe we'll talk about a pass rusher that the Falcons could potentially target. There's a possibility that we will do an emergency pod. If there's a major, major signing, like I think Jadavion Clowney would qualify as a major signing. I don't know if any other players, I know the Falcons were interested in Darius Slayton, um, but he resigned with the giants. So we'll see if, you know, I don't know offense to Darius Slayton. He wouldn't have been merited a, a, an emergency pod unless they signed him to like a $57 million contract. Uh, so we'll basically judge it by how much money the Falcons uh, pay or the importance of the position, right? You know, if hey, there's, you know, Lamar Jackson conversation, well, that's definitely merit uh, emergency pod over the weekend. But if, if that's not the case, I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. We'll see what other moves trickle out uh, over the course of the weekend. And we'll get into those next week as well, as well as be joined by uh, guests like locked on Bengals host, Jake Lisko to talk about Jesse Bates. And I'm sure, plenty of other free agents that the Falcons may wind up adding, but I want to thank you guys for making lockdown Falcons your first listen. Why not check out your second listen, which is locked on NFL scouting with the draft dudes. Uh, the, you know, guys being dudes are back. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino are going to take you to what, take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every single day, Monday through Friday. So find locked on NFL scouting with the draft dudes, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, part of the locked on podcast network, your team, every day.